Yo guys, welcome back to episode 86, I think it's 86, of the Humanity Jitsu Podcast. Guys, today I'm joined by Rosa Walsh, she's a brown belt from Cork, but she's not in Cork right now, she's in Spain, because they're actually allowed to train in Spain. That kind of rhymes, but imagine, imagine if you're actually allowed to train Jitsu right now. <laughs> Quite a concept. But guys, we have a great talking about our different sort of methodologies for take, taking people down, passing, as well as how she got started in jiu-jitsu, and how she trains her competition, as well as some uh, mixed results at her first competitions, but uh, you'll have to listen to the episode to find out about that. But guys, as always, we're sponsored by Superior Clothing and Superior Jiu-Jitsu. Guys, if you want to support the Irish Jiu-Jitsu community and get some sexy fucking t-shirts, hoodies, and hats while you're at it, click the link in the description below and use code HUMANZY20 for 20% off. That's HUMANZY20 in all caps. Uh, guys, hope you enjoyed the episode. With that said, adios. Okay, so guys, welcome back to episode 86 of the Humanzy Jiu-Jitsu podcast. And guys, today I'm joined by uh, an Irish person who isn't in Ireland, so what the fuck? Rosa Walsh, what is up, Rosa? Hi, lovely to be here, thank you so much. Well, I bet you it's lovely to be there in Spain, where you can train without breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's another world. It's back to normality. Mm. Yes. <laughs> like, I'll, like, for anyone who doesn't know, like, what gym are you, you all, because a lot of Irish people are frequenting this one gym in Spain, If for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, so I'm here in Malaga in Lilius Barnett. So it's there's it's under our black belt Santiri Lilius. Um yeah, so it's it's amazing. They have an MMA they're primarily kind of no game MMA, but they have great gi jiu jitsu as well. So it's like it's like being back in twenty nineteen before all the other stuff happened. So it's like there's there's big classes, there's loads of instruction instructions. That doesn't make sense instructing instructing <laughs> yeah so it's great it's really really nice to be here and it definitely gives, gives me a bit of a um familiarity it's nice to have this kind of familiarity back in my life mm. i say many people would kill to be over there like like me i don't even speak spanish i speak like hola and gracias and i probably i know a bunch of insults in spanish which i probably definitely won't say because i get the shit kicked out of me but i don't care i take the not knowing anything and being the gringo just just like a fucking train, because like <laughs> this is all just bull- bullshitology. But whatever. What what do I know? <laughs> so Rosa, friend, one thing I'm curious about each of my guests when I get them on, oh, sorry, to this is uh, how you first got into jiu-jitsu. Did you train anything else before starting it? Uh, so I started when I in December 2014 when I was 17. So I was training. So I've done a lot of sports all through. Oh, when I was a child and everything, but I was boxing for two or three years. Then I kind of stopped that, and then I went into Thai boxing and actually capoeira, which was so, so weird. <laughs> and then in December 2014, there was jujitsu classes going on in the gym where I was doing Thai boxing. So I started um, the 5th of December 2014, I think, and it kind of snowballed from that. <laughs> yeah, I got an idea. How about a. Uh... You change your Instagram handle to Snowball BJJ or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's definitely taken. Like, because that's that's like a semi decent name. Like for mm. anyone who's trying to come up with a good Instagram handle, like I'm lucky that Humanzy Jitsu wasn't taken because I think that's semi decent. But trying to find a good one is fucking difficult. <laughs> I'm very lucky now that like Rosa BJJ that wasn't taken. It's is it not? Like, is no, it not Rosa? It's not like Rosa actually, underscore underscore BJJ. Oh yeah, I never tried it without the underscore, but at the moment it's Rosa underscore BJJ. So it's fairly short and simple. It does be fine. Uh, every time I have to put an underscore in one of my other na- handles, it's like a little middle finger to you. It's like, ha! You weren't the first person to come up with this. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> ah, man. <laughs> Sorry for that. But like, uh, one thing I'm I'm, I'm always curious to people. Is, is, there, is there anything when you initially started that you struggled with the most, like a certain technique or concept that wasn't sinking in when you first started training? See, like, when I started, my coach was back in Brazil. So I've got a Brazilian coach. So we were being kind of instructed my first kind of month there by, let's say, our second in command coach. Do you get what I mean? So, like, um, I didn't really know what was going on. I was just, the first kind of six months, it kind of just went with the flow. So to be honest, looking back, I suppose I probably would have liked a bit more kind of 
explanation. Like I got no explanation <laughs> for anything. I just kind of took it on board. And like, that's how I learn, I suppose. I just kind of take everything in my stride. But um, I was the only girl, obviously, for years. So I do think understanding that like boys may or may not take it easy on you, that would have been a great thing to kind of have a bit more of an understanding of at that age. So I was only 17, like, and I was in with all these men, and I was only a white belt at the time, getting absolutely smashed. Then going to school then, I was in fifth year in school. Then going to school then, it would like bumps and bruises and black eyes and like, what is going on in her life? <laughs> yeah, that that's not a good image. Like, I knew this guy, like, uh, he was training with this girl one time, and they, they, had a re they were doing, like, wrestling rounds, and, like, she got... She was like an MMA fighter too. She had a black eye that day. And they went to go get coffee afterwards and everyone was just giving them the stink eye because he was he was muscular. So they just assumed he was beating her up like that they were, that they were a couple and he was just abusing her. Like, dude. Yeah, I got a bad injury now and it was like a massive hematoma because I got kneed in the head off a takedown. So I got a massive hematoma here literally about a foot out of my head and overnight that all dropped to my eye all the blood so i had a bad bad black light for about a week and same same thing now like i think that's, i was in school at the time and they were like what happened to you <laughs> uh he didn't sprawl no <laughs> uh speaking of which like um I, the same fucking injury occurred twice like i got cuts like under my eyebrows here not even through the eyebrows or it look kind of cool but underneath both of them one this one here is like it's hard to see because of the light in the camera, but like it's small, so I didn't really have to go to the doctor I just, or the fucking hospital. I just put a plaster over. But we both level changed at the same time. We headbutt each other, and and then this one it was really long. I had to get like I can't remember the fucking number of stitches, but I had, it was really really long. I had to go to the doctor, and it's because I got a headbutt or like coming up to break someone's guard. Oh god, <laughs> it's very yeah. not good. Yeah, head injuries have always been my kryptonite now. Like, I've been kneading the head so many times in the last couple of years. It's so unhealthy. But, like, um, the worst injury I gave was an accidental knee in the head. And that was that was very, I felt very, very bad over that. It was the same thing now. Somebody shot on me and I accidentally kneed them in the nose and they broke their nose. So that was the worst thing I have ever done. It was completely accidental, but, like, Oh god, that was the worst one, and it was like was the person was like a rhino for a couple of weeks. <laughs> I seen that one time. It's like a really skinny old fella. He's like uh, fifty years old. He's about like less than sixty kg. He's really scrawny, but you know he, he respect him because he'd always be he'd always train. No bother to him. He got his nose busted one time, and his super nice white gi is covered in blood. Like I said, it's about half the blood that was in his body because he was so tiny. But like, uh, you can see even like the fucking, that's the worst thing about having white keys and the blood gets on him. It'll never truly be like washed away. You'll still see like a little bit of a fucking stain there. I'm like, ah, oh, sickener, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why, uh, that's why I see, I don't know if anyone, if you see my Instagram, a lot of times I always dye geese after they go, go to the shit. So they look a bit better. That's a great idea. Mm. Great idea. An idea, like, do you ever see Kent Peters? He's always bleaching them and shit, and he has really funky tie-dye shit, but, like, mm. it's hard to do, and fucking... I'll, I'll say this and I'll say no more. Never use purple when dyeing the gi, because purple fucking runs, and it fucking conquers all the other colours, and it'll you'll just have a purple gi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit more kind of, like, black and white gi now. I don't do any crazy colours or anything. <laughs> uh, the worst thing about being a blue belt is you can't wear a blue gi. Well, like... I fucking hate wearing the same belt as the as wearing the same color as the belt that I am. Like when I was white belt, when I was white belt, I never wore white geese. And up until recently, with the blue belt, I've never worn blue geese. I'm like, oh fuck it. <laughs> the only good one is like when you're black belt, you wear black geese. That's the only time it looks nice. Yeah, very hard to fault anybody wearing a black belt and, and a black gi. It's like you've reached your success to some extent. You can wear whatever gi you want. <laughs> wear a fucking pink gi for whatever I care. Exactly. Sure, sure I can't say much. I wear fucking pink tie-dye ones and fucking a, a denim gi and fucking, uh, what was the other one? It was like a camo and like a making a taxi driver gi. Like, did you ever oh see the movie, the, the movie Taxi Driver? Because, you know, the Mohawk. <laughs> I'll, I'll just roll with it. Sure, it's not my fault. The fucking barber was only opened yesterday and like... 
I'm sick. I did. I didn't like being bald. So fuck it. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking of, sorry, but like, uh, what was the one thing I was curious about with everyone as well is the first competition you you went to and how to go. So the first competition it was in February 2015. It was um it was actually when the the UA, UAE JJF so the Abu Dhabi Pro they did trials. So I was a white belt at the time, and I actually, funny enough, because actually um, my first opponent is here in Malaga. She's been here for the last couple of months, and we actually spoke about it last night at training. So it was against Raina Colleri. She's East Coast. She's now Purple Belt. Uh, we've faced each other so many times over the last couple of years. It's crazy. Like, literally every competition, we're always against each other. But anyway, so I was 17. She was my first opponent. I think she was her first competition as well. Um, so nervous, like vomiting. I had to lose like 10 kilos in a week. I was in a bad way. Well, it was great. So I won the first match. Oh, and this is when blue and white belt were mixed. Oh, so gosh. it was like <laughs> three months into training and going in against blue belts. And I had no idea, like, because I was just, I didn't know what was going on up until about six months into training jiu-jitsu. So kind of just went in, just took it as it came, like, but so I won the first match and then like came up against the blue belts in the final and I got put to sleep. <laughs> Jesus fuck. <laughs> yeah, so that was my first competition. I won on points in the first match, which was crazy because I didn't even know what points were at that stage. Like and then I yeah, I went out twice in the same match actually in the second in the second one in the final. So it was an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> I say it if well if you're anything like me, I can never fucking sleep the night before competitions. So sometimes I want to get put to sleep so I can actually get some fucking rest in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No nerves were definitely a big thing. They still are. I still definitely have a lot of trouble with nerves. Like, but um, but sure, we've been off for the last year. Like, so I've had no more practice. <laughs> oh, like I would actually, I'd love to just fucking compete. I'd, if someone said, "Oh yeah, if you murder someone right now, you can compete," I I do that straight away. Because <laughs> like, or even if they said, "Oh yeah, we'll give you a fight. You can't even win," you know against the black belt who's like 30 kg heavier than you i take it i don't give a shit i don't care <laughs> even doing, yeah uh, dude like i even if i just lose i want to compete again i don't care like speaking of like competitions do you have a preferred rule set that you'd like competing under see it's kind of weird it's the same with gear nogi i prefer one but i'm better in the other so like for instance now with sub only i am better in sub only but i prefer the IBJJF rules. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same with Gi then. I'm better in no Gi, but I prefer Gi. Because I just feel like with like the um the IBJJF rules, it's like there's so so many and so much analysis in every different breakdown, let's say. So like what we do now in our gym sometimes is that we get to like what we did obviously when there was more than when we were allowed to train, is like um we used to get students to ref matches so we can have an understanding of points mm. so it was great like it was literally like then we have like arguments or debates about like what points were, were worth what or like how what points should have been scored here and then like that's something our coach really drilled into us like um so i yeah i do like i prefer the objjf rule set but only because in sub only I'm so lazy, like, I'll just take it easy because I know I'm not losing anything. But then the, the IJJF rules, it kind of keeps me stimulated. It's like, right, you can't lose focus here. Like, you're going to have to keep your focus for the whole, now, eight minutes, obviously, because mm. I'm belt. Mm. Uh, I'm lucky that I only, have to, I only have to be in agony for six minutes. Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> so awesome. and I'm so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, like, you know... I used to really fucking hate IBJF events. I'm like, oh, fuck each and every one of them. Because, like, see, you know, okay, there, there's just a few, there's, like, three things I want to add it that I think they'd be really approved. Okay, just better better reffing in general. Like, call stalling shit way sooner because people just get an advantage and just win on a fucking advantage. Just mm. stall the shit. Grand. Fucking, you know, the whole reaping thing's a load of bollocksology. Like, I think it's fucking stupid. Like, people reap me all the time. I'm like... My knee is perfect. My knee is shit because of another reason. Because five years ago, I fucked it up before I even started training. But, like, uh, it's nothing to do with reaping. And then, this is just, this is a really selfish one. 
I want knee bars allowed at blue belt because I'm actually good at knee barring and I'm not allowed <laughs> to fucking do it. So I'm like, let me knee bar. I want to fucking knee bar somebody. Fair enough. They're all concerns. At least at purple belt, because come on, you're not even allowed to do that at purple belt. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely it's a little bit of a flawed system with what's allowed on each belt, but I do think that they're making some sort of progress. Like this is like all the people at the head of the WGF, they're all old school traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners, like so I think the fact that they've even allowed in heel hooks at Nogi Black Belt, that's such a progression, like. This oh, but there's another, there's another caveat. It's at Nogi Black Belt Adult Division. Ah, Jesus, you can't have a master black belt doing heel hooks. They've well, ma- Masters legs. 1, there are no pushovers. Master 1, guys, there's, I know a bunch of Master 1 guys that'll fucking murder anyone any fucking day of the week. People take, treat Master 1 guys like they're fucking babies and children. Masters 2, it's hit or miss, but then Masters 3, I can see the argument. That's, like, non-negotiable. But Masters 2 is like, eh, but then Masters 1, I'm like, man, shut up. They're they're only, they're 30. They're not fucking 50. Shut up with that. Also, you know, I do think that good. Master 1, if they wanted to do heel hooks, they can go to adults. Whereas, if it was the other way around, it would be a bit of a case of, like, mm. like the adults can obviously, they're up, it's up until 29, but Masters can compete at adults. So, like, yeah. for instance, now, there is a good few of the big names who are over 30 but competed adult. Um, I'm trying to think of one now. There's a, lot, a couple of them anyway, a couple of the black belts. Felipe Pomasti always did that. Like, uh, he's, he's doing that lately. He just turned 30, so, like, this might be a... Like, he j- like just at the Abu Dhabi Pro, like, he competed at Masters, even though he just turned 30. So mm. so I think if they wanted to do the heel hooks in Masters, I think the opportunity for Masters to come down is yeah. is something that leaves that open, like, mm. for the heel hooks. No, that makes sense. But I'm just saying, like, just uh, after the cutoff, everyone's, like, they sort of treat the 30-year-old guys like they're fucking babies. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> chillax, guys. They're fucking, they're 30. They're not 50. Oh, yeah. I'm 30. Uh, my back doesn't I work. I think more. it really shows, I, I don't know if it's ego or stubbornness or something like that, but, like, the, the master age people, whether that be 31 or 59, I don't see the many 59 people. Like, if there was a 59-year-old competing adult, I would, that'd be a bit weird. But, like, I just think that, like, those individuals at Black Belt who still competed adults and refused to compete at masters, I think they're great. They're probably wrecked, but they're hilarious. Like, for instance, Merlo Santana, um, I think he only competes at adults. And like he's, I'd say, maybe late 30s, early 40s. So obviously he's been training the bones of what, like 30 years. And he only competes at adults, like. So I think that's fairly, it's admirable. But I think I'm not really sure what I would do in their situation. Mm. I, you know, if you're in good shape and you're older, does it even really matter? You know, it's just the main thing would be like gas tank. But, you know, if you're, if you're good, you know how to conserve your shit. Instead of, like, it's not just constant going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Just just play lapel guard, like, just play lapel guard. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, see, that's uh, that's one thing I like, like, because, like, I'm, it's like what you were saying. I prefer Nogi because I'm, I'm trying to get better at it, like, but I'm only, but I suck at Nogi. I'm, I, I know that, <laughs> true and true, but, like, because I've never won a match Nogi, but I've won plenty in Gi, so I'm like, fine, whatever. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that, so, like, Eh, just take a lapel guard since I can actually fucking work something. <laughs> I'll just do that. Yes, on, now here's the sort of flip side of the question. Is there any rule sets that you don't like, you think are stupid, even just to watch like? Because like, some people, they just watch the Mission Underground or EBI and they don't like it. Um, this is going to sound so bad. <laughs> I hate watching Master Gi matches. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Would you leave the Masters alone? <laughs> That's so bad. Like I've met and I've trained with so many amazing master master athletes. Like so that's terrible. But sometimes now it's like not what I came to watch. That sounds so terrible, and I'm actually really nice. But um, other than that, I think I don't know. Like I love watching all types of jiu-jitsu, Really, like I think um, ADCC is probably one of my favorites. Obviously, it's not what you asked, so you can't. But that wasn't <laughs> that wasn't no. what you asked at all. Um. I think from personally something that I would struggle with is the the heel hook edition because I just don't have enough expertise at that. Like I did loads, I tried my best and I did loads of work on my leg game, leg lock game when I was in New York two years ago. Um but still it's just a minefield, like there's just so much and I know so little, like, but it's a work in progress. 
<laughs> now see, uh, get this. Uh, well, we're talking about leg attacks and shit. Every single submission win I have is by straight ankle lock. Fucking so, I'm fucking glad about that now because when I was doing that. Like, when I was still a white belt, you know, a few people would be saying, oh, dude, you should try work on other shit, you know, but, I, but then just leg locks fucking exploded. That's all everyone's doing. So I'm like, who's the idiot now? Still me. Still me, but for less reasons. <laughs> nah, fuck it. Especially, really good one. I'll stop harping on about leg locks after this. The Mikey Musumesi one where he's like hooking. It's like he's like hooking under their knee, oh, pushing under their no, it's not. It's not like that. It's like, it's like sort of an inverse of that. He's like hooking his foot behind the knee instead of having it collapsed over. That he's pushing his foot over. I might be explaining it very badly. I'll just send you like a little video. The one where he, he actually he beat your man in like ten seconds at the worlds. It's after yeah. leg lock. Oh I think, yeah. I think so. That's the key one. Yeah. And it's, like it's good gi as well, but it's fucking murder with the gi because of the reinforcement of the grips. Like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah he's something else he's something else and he's still so young as well like so there's so many so much more so many more years of Mikey Musumeci yet like mm. oh well I actually heard a theory there that he doesn't want, really want to compete anymore because like uh, if you've seen he's shelling out instructionals on BJJ Fanatics he's put out about mm. fucking fucking 10 of them and they're all 200 quid so if you buy all of them, that's two grand for Mikey. I think he wants to go to law school, and law school's expensive. So I think that's all just a racket so he can pay for pay for law school. Oh, yeah. That would be very sad now. But um, I think, especially when his sister is there, I do think that would be very hard for him to not... Even, like, if he was to go away or whatever to law school, I do think it would be very hard for him to not come back. Like, once you have... Once you're invested, like I told you, with family and with the accolades that he has... I think it's very hard to leave it go all together. Just, it just mm. means we'd have four years of, of a new light feather black belt world champion. Mm. And besides, he's doing more nogi lately, so maybe he'll just do some more nogi, maybe a bit more reinvigorated that way. And that pays better as well. The nogi yeah, it, it on does. The man, I'm fucking annoyed that there's very little gi super fights because I'm like, man, I don't want to do nogi super fights because I'll fucking lose every time. <laughs> yeah, I gi super fights hard because. They're not very interesting. <laughs> make it make it a short time limit and give it who is number one rule, fight to win rules. Are you allowed to slam and shit? Very true. That's something definitely to, that could be that could happen. I do think that like once it's a ten minute super fight, it gets very it gets very dull. Like that's why I think the Nogi super fights it's it has skyrocketed in the last couple of years because it's so entertaining to watch. Like. Mm. Uh, quick uh, sort of uh, what's it like uh, brainstorming session here okay seven minute key super fights uh, no points except for submission attempts takedowns positional control none this fucking advantage bollocksology and uh, you're allowed slam seven minutes you can endure a gi match for seven minutes right you don't have to, you won't be bored off your head going like oh god gi shit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> another fucking stupid grip battle <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely something. <laughs> or how about for the first minute, you're not allowed to pull guards. If you pull guards, you're disqualified after a, for, after a minute. Like, the first minute, you're not allowed to do it, so you have to fight for takedown. But after the minutes, just fucking, you know, you can pull guard. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, the, the no guard pulling now is a big is a big advantage. Because, like, not that there's anything wrong, wrong with guard pulling. And some of the best black belts are incredible guard players. But I do think it slows the action down quite a bit. Because it's waiting, it's kind of like, tit for tat is like who's going to go first and then there's the stalling with with the 30 second stalling kind of the not disadvantages penalties sorry um so i think they're trying to kind of stop that but um i think no guard pulling for like the first couple of minutes it would be, be very entertaining mm. sure like the thing they have at adcc with the first five minute period where there's no points you know that's that's cool as well because you know it's sort of but then again like i know the whole point of it was to like get everyone to play and you know sort of incentivize them to go after it but no one's going to do that let's be real they're going to stall for five minutes sort of a gas tank isn't fucked and then the second the time points are on boom points get a point grand out yeah yeah i think abcc are the the are the ones now who um obviously are the closest to having like n like no stalling if possible like that first five minutes now like i think it, it 
kind of transcends all their their trials and stuff. So like the ADCC Ireland now, they still have the same rule set. Like so, I think it's brilliant. I think they really because nobody ever shoots on me. Like so, I think now that like. That sounds so cocky. Oh my god. <laughs> no one ever shoots like, on me. Because I'm obviously so primarily past like guard guard passing and wrestling. I'm always waiting for them to pull guard or I'd start the action myself. Like so then for instance now when when we competed um when because a good few of us are all the team, like we competed at whatever ADCC it was last in Ireland, was 2018 maybe. Mm. We competed there and it was like there's people I was wrestling with people and it was class such a new kind of thing that I'd never come up against like it's just and you don't really get that inky like I know it was no gi now but even in gi it's even more gar- like pulling guards and then with the leg entanglements then um no gi it's it's more going along the lines of guard pulling like so having those say five minutes um it's like wrestling base which I loved it's <laughs> <laughs> uh, like speaking of takedowns would you say you have more sort of wrestling based takedown game or judo based takedown game like hip tosses or like just shooting double legs and stuff like what's your sort of thing it would definitely be wrestling like whatever judo throw happens i don't know what i'm doing like like whatever happens like i know how to set up some judo throws but like you wouldn't know what the other person the other person could put on land on their heads and i wouldn't have known how i got there like so I do think that I'm primarily wrestling and that comes from kind of doing the MMA against the cage a couple of years ago. I really, I suppose I really clicked with that wrestling and I kind of just adapted it then for gi and no gi. So singles, doubles, everything, everything wrestling based. Uh, I fucking, I fucking hate shooting. Like I hate shooting either for singles or doubles. I fucking hate it. Cause like my right knee has been shit for years. Even before I started doing jujitsu, it's been bad and I fucking hate shooting. But you know, get a good snap down, front headlock takedowns, grand outs, plus submitting for front headlocks, happy with me like that. Or just arm drags. And like one thing which like shitty knees will make you do is do get good at counter wrestling. So like I maybe shit at wrestling, but I'm only bad at counter wrestling, so huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, front headlocks now are something that I hate. I can't deal with them at all. Cause I can just never See, like, I'm training all the guys all the time. Like, I very rarely train with girls. Like, so I'm trying to pull the head down and it just never works. And then I'm, like, giving them the takedown by trying to pull the head down. So I do my best, but yeah, yeah. I, I shoot from the outside more than anything. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like a great one. Jumping for the fucking front headlock. Oh, I love doing that. Because, like, you just, if you get, like, your hand right in the crown of your head and you get the jump up, all their weight is in their head and they're going down and then yank it and just fuck them onto See, the ground. When I pull the head, when I jump to pull the head down, it doesn't move. <laughs> like, there's a lot of big people in my gym now, like, and there's people now whose who's, who's game is, like, front headlocks, like. So, like, whenever I jump to try and get their neck or their head or whatever, it just doesn't move. So, I don't think, I, I might just steer away from the front headlock for a while until I can get good at it. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> or uh, unless you have a really good sprawl and you're just like shoot me bra shoot me bra like just standing super tall just baiting them to shoot in on you like i do that to annoy people sometimes or like one time i annoyed someone in wrestling practice so much like i just put my arms behind my back and just stood up really tall i was begging them to shoot in on me <laughs> and they did they got a double leg and they raised me up super high but i just like grabbed the head in the arm and got a little hook and they thought they were going to slam me but no no the, <laughs> the second my shoulders hit the mat I got like a really good like buck over and flung them over me and I got mount so I was like yeah bruh nice double <laughs> uh, it really it did hurt though but I just didn't let them know because I just wanted them to get really annoyed and embarrassed for a second <laughs> so it's the little things to help yeah of course uh, speaking of little things yeah see one of the things i found really useful especially if you're getting like little details of something like it's not even specific is seminars like you know you go to seminars like i try to do this with seminars and instructionals you're never going to retain each and every little move to tell you a lot of things i go in for is little details of things i'm already doing which would be super helpful which is shit i picked up as well or just one move that you really like you've never really considered that becomes a mainstay in your game i find that super helpful so like have you ever gone to seminar we've learned something really cool and useful and it's become like a mainstay in your game 
yeah so like that was like so seminars now are a great way of like of traveling like so it's a great excuse to travel obviously when we could like um so I actually went to Papa Mendes seminar last two years ago in Barcelona so like obviously that was like starstruck I mean when I met him like um so some things now there's about two different things that he taught that like and it was like like you said like it wasn't like a full transition that I remember I can't remember the whole transition it was like two tiny details that he taught that like I've never forgot and even the other kind of seminars that I've gone to like or even in the classes like when I was in New York training with immunity stuff that I learned there not even whole positions it was small little details in the class last night here there was another small little detail something that I never would have realized but like it will add it will like bring my game on leaps and bounds like so definitely the half amendment seminar was the best seminar ever um but it wasn't like I learned the whole thing the whole transition well, I did learn it but like I don't really remember it but it was like two little kind of I suppose kind of tweaks on my game that were amazing like mm. and he's um, so cool as well yeah and uh if you remember what tweaks were they like specifically <sighs> see I'm very bad at explaining but I'll give it a go um so he it was a gi seminar and then no gi seminar the day after. I thought it was a half a seminar oh no what am I thinking is it half a Mendes you says I thought it was yeah. Gee Men. You said it was Gee Men, it was Gee Seminar. I was like, it's a half a seminar. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it was a half a seminar. I know. Just that yeah. <laughs> um, so the first one out, it was kind of, it was a, some sort of a collar and sleeve kind of transition sequence or whatever. And the first thing that he mentioned was, which it was, so for the Gee Seminar, the first thing mentioned was so collar and sleeve the kind of swinging foot usually I'd have it on the far inside elbow let's say stop them coming close but the I suppose the free foot then he actually mentioned putting it on the shoulder so you actually have the full ability to use your collar and sleeve as well as the swinging leg to push that shoulder away so they're kind of completely turned so that was something that was really interesting I don't know if I really explained it very well but it makes no, sense that, that makes sense Instead of them, because like if they if you have it on like the bicep and stuff, they can kind of be facing you a bit better. But with the shoulder, mm -hmm. they're sort of turning, and it's a real effort to turn into you and put, try to work break the grips. Exactly, and like for instance, now even if we're trying to kind of like like get out of let's say get out of that shoulder of the foot on the shoulder, he also mentioned then just kind of like following the person's escape to bring it back to the shoulder. So like you should never leave it, even if the person is trying to escape. Because also it's very uncomfortable. Somebody has the shoulder pushed and you're going to be trying to like trying to push it off or trying to get your your whole hand in to bring it down to kind of pin it or anything like that but he was like that should be continuously active because they're obviously not going to just leave it there they're going to want to get it off and he said your foot should follow their attack the whole time so that was unreal and as well it really taught me how important it is to be mobile as a guard player mm. like i hate guard playing i'm terrible at it i'm so small and nothing really works when I play guards. But if, like, once I kind of got onto the fact that, like, you, need, you can't just kind of be a lazy guard player, you kind of have to actually do something. You kind of have to be continuously active. And it's like, that really kind of helped me, I suppose, like, be a little more aggressive with my guard game. Because I used to just close guards and wait. Mm. I didn't know what to do. But then, right. yeah, but then kind of having a little bit more open guard strategy. Like bringing that element of aggressive aggression and I suppose activity into my guard game really brought it on a lot then. Mm. Well, not to mention, like, one of the things I really learned, like, off of Christian Woodman C, because, like, we were talking before the podcast, like, he's, he's a smaller gentleman, and, like, the way he, the way he sort of sweeps bigger people. It's like he's continually transitioning between guards. Like, he'd been Delaheva, Lasso, or your fucking X guard at any given second. But, like, okay like what 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 happens when you settle in a guard they're going to think for a second to try to how to pass this so if you're an x guard like okay i remember how to pass x guard if you're in delaheva i remember how to pass delaheva but if you're constantly switching and transitioning between them they can't settle they can't form a fucking strategy it's like sort of like a really good analogy i heard is like if you ever had like a pop quiz in class they're fucking lettering you with questions you get a million questions until you can't either you can't answer them in time or you can't answer them correctly you know mm. 
So, you know, it, it, that's like having a good mobile guard constantly asking them questions and change the variables till they don't know what the fuck to do or answer or say. And they're just they're just left befuddled and swept and submitted. Exactly. And like even as somebody who primarily passes guards, like I know how effective it is when somebody is continuously switching between guards, because like you said, like. If I'm an ex-guard, I know to pass, pass ex-guard, but if I'm given a couple of seconds, I will pass it. Whereas if you're transitioning to single leg X, if you're going somewhere else, like I don't have the second to stop and think. So mm. I think it's so effective to be able to, like, you need to be an active guard player. Like anybody who's kind of quite slow, I think it gives the guard passer just too much opportunity and it's just, it'll, you're doing your, yourself own a disservice by kind of doing that. Mm. Plus, I think this might be a bit of a, generalization i think if you're good at playing guard you, you'll have you'll it's like being good at leg locks you'll know how to deal with them because like you know i find that people are only really good at passing and then they get put on their back they're sort of like a bit alien to it it's like mm-hmm. but like say if, you know if you have a good guard player and they're on top they'll know because oh he wants to get his fucking foot here and keep his foot there and get this grip i won't let him get it because that's what i would be doing if i was there you know so it, you know it sort of is like if you if you gave me a choice if you said oh you're only allowed play guard or pass for the next six months I'd be all like I guess I play guard for the next six months because like I think I'd get more out of that because like I'd know you know because not to mention if I'm constantly failing they're all like because they're passing my guard the whole time I'll address that shit and plus when I eventually pass again one if I'm allowed to pass again because in this hypothetical scenario I'm like. They kept doing that when I was trying to retain or whatever. So, you know, I don't know if that makes any fucking sense or I might be just, just be talking on my ass. <laughs> no, I get you. Yeah, and I agree. I do think that, like, kind of prohibiting yourself from doing something, you'll, you're, the other side of your game will grow. Like, for instance, now, in the last, say, year or so, obviously, without gyms open, like, and even before that, I not that I'm a completely competent passer or anything, like, but I do knew, I, I, I did know that, like, my um my guard game needed work because I just didn't really know what to do. I didn't really have any kind of I didn't have any certain guards that I liked, and it kind of showed in competition from like late blue belt to kind of early purple belt. I am um, like my guard game, like I I would do anything in the world to stay off my back, like so I would just I would do anything at all. Like even now, if I was to get taken down, if I was to get swept, I would prefer to just kick out and run the match instead of give up the sweep like which was not necessarily negative like but like I just I needed to have that aspect of my game like kind of developed and obviously I've got there's so many great guard players in my own gym like so it was great to kind of learn off them but I do think that like in New York now that brought my game to another level with regards to my guard game because like there was the meows there at the time and a host of other amazing black belts, like with incredible guards. So even seeing them, like, and seeing them, like, all right, get off your high horse about guard passing being better. These people now have like world class level guards, so you kind of have to cop on and start learning guards. Mm. <clears throat> now, see, while we're on the topic of passing, like, I, I get different answers about this each and every time about what people's preferences and what they're sort of better at. Would you say you're better at like? sort of low passing like inward and pressure or sort of outside like sort of uh double ankle troll buys or bullfighter sweeps like what's your sort of preference um see the thing with like pressure passing and being close like even if i was to let's say tripod out to try and pass the legs my legs aren't long enough so it's very easy to kind of for them to hook in again so that's a work in progress the pressure passing so i do think i'm a better speed passer so kind of like side to side, like I, I love, like I think it's important to continuously link different passes together. Because like nine times out of ten, like I'm going to go to my, like my favorite pass, let's say, or like the one the first that comes to my head. And like there are people are going to be able to respond to that fairly quickly. So I'm going to have to go to my plan B pass. So um, I do think I'm better at the speed passing and I like it better. Mm. do you have uh, any any sort of setup that you prefer like what's your sort of like air quotes favorite pass or one that you hit the most often um like to be honest because like it's it's so simple but it's so effective and i think sometimes i forget that like at the end of the day jiu-jitsu is about effectiveness and um, just the tariando pass the bullfighters 
Mm. Like it's just does me fine, like, and it's effective. But a lot of the times, like, they're going to get their leg into regard. They're going to they're going to give me like get some sort of lasso walk in. They're going to forearm me in the throat or something. <laughs> <laughs> so I do need to have a, a second pass to link on to that mm. now see a really good one I, I was working lately I don't know if you like watch any of the Ruotola brothers stuff their leg pin passing is very good but like once they pin the leg they're sort of making grips it's like the reverse Toriando and they sort of bullfighter up after, like I'll send you a clip because I might be explaining it fucking badly they they sort of do the do the reverse bullfighter to get on top and they're just on top of you with their fucking hands on your knees and what are you going to do retain when your legs are getting pushed down good, good luck with that <laughs> you're getting put yeah. straight into north south i think the um, the leg pin pass is this has just been transformational like and especially the two of them they're just freaks of nature like they're incredible and the fact that they're so young as well like they're in that's they're the next big thing if not at the moment but yeah, I do think that like I just feel really mean about leg pinning. I just feel it's far too unless there's too much pain being being <laughs> on the person who you're passing. Up. Yeah, it does really fucking hurt after like if you try to get multiple reps of it in. I'm like, man, would you do the other fucking leg? God damn it, I'm sick of this. <laughs> do the other leg. <laughs> no, and then with their diving darses, because they're fuck, they're long, their arms are so fucking lanky. I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to do this? I have T Rex arms. I know, God, like. But I suppose like they're not that they're like that's because they're they're young or anything, but like they have like such a like they know what works well with their body type. And I think once anybody in any like white to black, once you have an understanding of what what you would be good at based on your body type, I think there's uh, the sky's the sky's the limit, like. Mm. Plus not to mention they've been doing it since they were three years old. So if you're growing <laughs> up doing jiu-jitsu, you'll sort of you'll sort of you'll sort of know how to do it. <laughs> Uh, I'm not jealous at all. Ah, <laughs> uh, here's a good question. I added this a few episodes ago, and I I love all the answers I get off it. See, is there anything in the BJJ community that you don't like that you would change if you could? You know, is there just a sort of pattern of behavior or the way people act or anything that you just fucking hate? You change if you could. Um, great question. I'm not sure. Like, I think the rivalry and stuff is so silly. Like. Yeah. I like because I I've only been in one gym really like for my and I all I, I kind of want it all I want to do that all the time like I didn't want to be that there's anything wrong with it because situations happen like but I always want to be somebody who had the same professor the whole time up to black belt so I like got so got white to black as with the same professor so I always kind of wanted that so but then the rivalry it's like like they're the number one. The number one athlete from this gym versus the number one athlete from this gym and they meet in the final of some random competition i just think it's so unnecessary and like we're not there as we're, we're we obviously participate in the sport for um for like because we're we all love it like and i just think that kind of takes away from i suppose how how um how healthy and how like i suppose great the sport is and like it brings such a I suppose a great like an aspect to everyone's life that where we'd be kind of lost without it like for sure we I know it anyway from the last year not being able to train properly not having the gym has or not having proper training has been such a was such a big loss mm. and like it's like and like then you've got if you we have this great sport and it's like the rivalry then it's like would you get over yourself yeah so that's stupid mm. um other than that, I don't know. Like I don't, I kind of keep to myself with regards to politics and the jiu-jitsu community. Um, yeah, I'm fairly easy going. Mm. I say save the rivalries for the pay-per-views, like the fucking ones that you're trying to sell. Like, like the fucking last who's number one event with the Atos guys versus the DDS. Fucking save the rivalry shit for then when you want to make money. Like, grand, you want to sell some bullshit? That's fine. Go crazy. That shit like, sells. Exactly, but I do agree with that, and especially when people are in it to make money, like Gordon Ryan living in a lovely house in Puerto Rico. We'd all love, we'd all love that as well. But on the other hand, then one of the reasons why I picked to go to Unity when I was in New York is that they were kind of like my people, if that makes sense. Like they weren't quite, they weren't showboaters like some of the individuals in in Henzo's, 
and I didn't really get it yes I actually couldn't find Marcelo Garcia's gym when I was in New York so that's why I never went there <laughs> you're like I couldn't find it yeah I the directions were so, bad yeah so I was like right I'll leave that go but like there's the it's like if you look at who's in unity like they don't need that their skill speaks for themselves and like especially now Gordon Ryan would be just as successful may not have the amount of money he does but like his talent can speak for himself it's just his face does the speaking and we don't want, I don't want to hear it because he's mm. incredibly talented like but it's like there is an element of like would you shut up and just mm. train like no I've been listening to all of Gordon's ranting and raving lately and like it's fucking really funny it's good especially the whole like uh Andre Galvao thing I'm like I think Gordon's right in this one. Like, you know, something's <laughs> fucked and you're listening to Gordon Ryan and he's right about something. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, nah, but very, he's very OTT. But, um, and he, but it was really cool that, like, it was when I, we, I competed when I was in New York and, like, all of them were there. Like, all of the Marcelo Garcia guys were there. Obviously, all the Unity people. It was the New York Pro two years ago. And um, all of the kind of, a couple of the Henzo Gracie guys um. They were all there, and it was really just like they're actually people. <laughs> no, there's no way they're actually people. I don't, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Rosa, you reached a segment of the podcast I like to call around the specifics. Just a bunch of random questions, some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So, do you want to do around the specifics? Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> uh, see, what would you say is your favorite gi in your collection? I only have one gi. You only have one gi. Yeah, it's a king's gi. I've had it for about three years. It's the best thing I've ever bought. I only have one black gi. I mean, you only have one. I thought you only had one in general. Like out of all of them you've ever had, is that yeah, that's your favorite one? Yeah, I've had it for years and I absolutely adore it. See, I'm annoyed because I have a gi on the way. It said it was arriving today, but it's nowhere to be seen. I'm like, where's the gi? Where's the gi? Where's the fucking gi? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want the gee. <laughs> is there any movie that you would describe as underrated in your opinion? Like you like it, but no one else seems to like it. I don't know. That's terrible. Oh, I know. Um, Inglorious Bastards. Ah, uh, yeah. Like no one's I'm been talking big... about that for a while. Yeah, I'm a big fan. All his movies are unreal. Mm. Like, uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish. But I'm sorry. Once upon a time in Hollywood, wasn't that good? Yes, it was. No, I it wasn't. Man, I was promised the Charlie Manson murder movie, and I saw I got a love letter to Holly's fucking Hollywood in the sixties. I didn't want to see it. I wanted to see the fucking movie they were making in the movie. The one about the Nazis. The one about the cowboys. That would have been a better use of my fucking time. Uh, I watched that. That came out in New York, and I watched that there. Um, I studied. I did film. I did English. Like I studied English in PE in college, so we studied English film. Um, and we studied like so. I we went through all the aspects of film, and like I suppose, technically, like technique wise, um, those it's an incredible film. But then, like entertainment wise, I can see why people would be very frustrated. But I I loved it. I thought it was unreal. Mm. Honestly, like I'm, I'm big into film stuff as well. Like I, I really like the way, like sort of some, some shots are used, some like perspective shit. Like I, when I know it's good perspective shots and stuff. Like when I know it's a good shot and stuff. Like I'm big. At, I don't know if you can tell. I'm big into like the way movies are filmed and shit. I get, I'll appreciate that. And, you know, like like you said, filmmaking wise, perfectly good. But like, I want to be entertained. Yeah. Not not like. Not like oh, ooh. and especially when it was such an interesting topic, like that everyone wanted to see the real story. But I do think it was really interesting, like what the, what could have happened. Let's say. Mm. Now, a really good movie I saw there last year was Tenet. I fucking love Tenet. It was so good. I've never seen that. Oh, it's it's good. Let's just like <laughs> it's good. <laughs> like I can't even get into it right now because it's three hours long. It's really trippy, and I don't want to spoil anything because it's 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 something you got to experience. I'll take that word. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, what was uh, what was your favorite TV show when you were growing up? I didn't have a TV till I was like ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was raised in the countryside, so we didn't have TV until I was about ten or eleven. 
Yeah, so, yeah. But you're like, I was well, raised in the countryside too when we had TV. We didn't have internet till I was 10, but we had TV. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, so I was raised in West Cork, but in my grandparents' house then, that's where we watched TV, myself and my sister, and like all kind of Disney crap, like all Disney show stuff. I just loved that. When we watched it, that was once a month maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so what? You got, you got to see Hannah Montana once a month. Yeah, of course. Like, do you ever go back and watch that show and how the, those shows are terrible? The acting is terrible, but it's so, so good, bad. it's bad. It's so, so bad, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, uh, you can't even describe it. It's fucked. It's fucked. <laughs> All right, like, uh, what would you say is your most embarrassing injury? Like, either be a jiu jitsu injury, non jiu jitsu injury, just the way you got injured was so fucking ridiculous. As long as it's not the, the knee to the head thing, like you were saying. I have got knee to the head a couple of times. Um, I think it like that probably was it. Like I actually like I've been very lucky with injuries. Like I haven't really got injured at all. Touchwood, but um, the two knees to the head that was fairly bad. <laughs> they were fairly embarrassing because then I had a massive lump like coming out of my head for a while. <laughs> nah, I'm lucky in that in that regard. I've never been needing the head. <laughs> nah, like uh, I guess if I just I went up to Hori Masvidal, I was like, oh yeah, can I get needing the head real quick? And you know, that's that's on my bucket list. That's on my bucket list. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, what was uh, your first video game console? What was your favorite game in it? Oh, um, it was a Nintendo DS. Um, it was like a puppy one, so you could like mind your own puppy. Oh, is that Nintendogs? Yes, that was the one. Yeah, that was that was so like did you ever see it now? Those puppies look so fucking creepy. It's like in the uncanny valley. I'm like yeah. they're so weird looking. Like it was grand at the time, but they are so weird looking. Yeah. Yeah. Quick sub question while we're on the topic. Favorite breed of dog? Um, I have a puppy of my own, so it has to be a Jack Russell Chihuahua Cross, because that's my puppy. What would you even call that? Like, I know people like uh, with Labradors and Poodles, like, it's like, well, what, a Jackchi? A Jackchi, yeah. <laughs> How about a Chihuahua Russell? No, that's not good. I uh, don't know, like, uh, I just love Springer Spaniels. I had two of them when I was growing up. They're fucking really yeah, good. They're gorgeous, yeah. They'd yeah. probably be, I'd love a big dog then. If I was to get a second dog, it would be my little fella and. Like something big and massive, like a Rottweiler. Like a, do a, do a Doberman. No, maybe not Doberman. Um, or I love a Rottweiler because, like, what's, my what's wrong with Dobermans? <laughs> what's wrong with Dobermans? Rottweilers, little know, like, savages. It's always been kind of fixed on a Rottweiler because I love the color of them, and as well, like my puppy now is the same color as the tricolor when it's kind of white, kind of red and black. So, um, I'd love to have like a. A big dog that color, and then a tiny dog that color. Well, why go? Why stop there? Dogs. Get a medium dog that color too. Yeah, sure. Why not? Loads <laughs> of dogs. It's like a difficulty bar. Easy is the tiny dog, medium is the medium dog, and hard is the big ass dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Do you have any uh, nicknames inside the gym? Like, uh, what do the pe people who train with call you? Nothing really. Uh, anyone who trains with her, what do you call her behind her back? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I always, I always say that. <laughs> uh, if you could uh, time travel to any historical period, where would you go and why? Great Gatsby or 1920s. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I love New York in the 1920s. I would, like, pre-Wall Street crash. I love that. Oh, no. After the Wall Street crash. That was mm. 1920s. No, it wasn't. Sorry, I mixed up. The 1920s in New York, anyway. The set of The Great Gatsby. Would you just walk around and go, I'm walking here, just the whole time. See if the people actually say that. Of course. <laughs> Imagine, if you would for a moment, you had a, you had a street vendor who's selling foods. It's Chinese guys cooking in a walk, and someone bumps into their stall and say, hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> Well, every episode I have to tell a really bad joke, so I'm I'm sorry, but those are those are the rules. <clears throat> yeah, in your professional opinion, could you pull off a handlebar mustache? No. 
No. No. Everyone else says yeah, but I whatever. <laughs> uh, see, if uh, I got a bit of a moral conundrum here, if you're up for it. Yeah. Uh, would you rather cure cancer or solve world hunger? I don't know. <laughs> That's fine. Like whichever. I don't know. Oh god. <laughs> That's so stressful. I'm not sure. I don't know about that one. No. Oh well. It's grand. Uh oh, here's a good one. Uh what would you say is uh, your jiu-jitsu spirit animal if you have one? Like what sort of animal encapsulates just your style, your whole game in general? A bull. <laughs> a bull. <laughs> like I just kind of run at people. I like, like somebody has mentioned that to me before that I kind of I bull rush people, so um I'll go with a bull. Yeah. Yeah, no wonder because the bull you like the bullfighter passes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're in Spain, so you could just say, go like no, oh, let's, let's go like ole each and every time you pass <laughs> yeah. the guard like that. Exactly. Yeah. It, well, it's like Muay Thai when they're always like oe oe oe. They're fucking weirdos. They are. <laughs> Then again, we're no better. We say oos every two seconds, so we get, we we're no yeah. better. Oh, I'm ready. Got the last question here. If you're ready for the last question, Ooh. no, no, no more drum rolls. Uh, I used to do a drum roll the whole time, but no more because <laughs> I don't I don't have drums. <laughs> uh, if you created a guard, doesn't matter what the grips, where your legs are, whatever it is, what would you call this guard you make? Doesn't matter what sort of configuration of sleeves, lapels, grips, or whatever it is. It would have to be Rosa, like obviously. Rose, Rosa guard. Yeah, like because some of the other guards that I created, like it's all like they're all surnames or kind of names associated with the, the individual. But like, there's no, I don't really know, I don't know any other Rosas that train jiu-jitsu. So like, maybe there is in a couple of other countries, like the Latin American countries, like. But at the moment, I don't know anybody. Named Rosa, it, who trains it, def- it would definitely get popularized by the Brazilians. Hey, guys, this is Rosa Guage. Guys, yeah. what's a Guage? Because, <laughs> like, you've got Dillery Vigars, you've got Xanadu Gars, you've got Worm Gars, which everybody knows associated with Keenan. You've got all these names Xanadu Gars, Levi. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones. So, you've got all these names that are associated with the person. So, like, I don't know. Sure, why not? Uh, there's there's a first Delahiva because he's the backwards cunt. <laughs> true, it's very true. <laughs> <laughs> ah, sorry, I couldn't resist. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> there's a first worm guard because sometimes Keenan's in a bad mood. He wakes up on the wrong <laughs> side of the bed. Uh, I heard a great one, Gandalf guard, because you 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 shall not pass it. Oh God. <laughs> That's, That's a, a good one. Nah, your man, your man Christian showed us that it's like lasso della X. You have a really good lasso in. You have like your knee in like an X guard, and you're like you have like a uh, what's it a what's this fucking grip? It's like a scoopy grip over the on the overleg. So it's very hard to pass because like your base is being compromised if you try to pass each anyway. Brilliant, that's class. And you you know like the basic sort of lasso sweep, the catapult one. You can do that, but it's like super reinforced because you have their limbs and shit as well, and you have like a really good sort of hooking thing under because you have like the X guard. Yeah. And you can really fling them over you. And this, this is this is where you'll love it since you're a brown belt now. You come up, you have the bicep slicer straight away. Brilliant. But I do think that if I was, to, I, I don't think I'd create a guard because my guard game isn't good enough. I'd do a pass instead, so it'll be like the Rosa pass. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just if you come up with a little variation of the bullfighter, just call, just like yeah. make that like uh, get this. I have a I have a submission named after me, the Andrew Conda. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, I love the Anaconda choke, and I don't do it the regular way where you're in front headlock, you have it locked up straight away at yeah. the gable. But to be fair, the gable is better. You can bump their arm and get the roll easier. Yeah. Because, you know, let's be real. If you try to do it straight away, anyone who's actually any good will keep the base and it won't get rolled. Yeah. They'll just get bumped with the fucking gable, roll through, and just get the gable, then adjust. It's super fucking good. I love it. Yeah. And uh, to be in my defense, I didn't come up with the name. Someone else did. Someone who's really good. So I'll take it. <laughs> Okay, so guys, we reached the end of the episode there. If you want to follow Rosa on anything, it's at Rosa underscore BJJ. It'll be in the description anyway, so in case 
you can't spell Rosa underscore BJJ, you can just click the link. <laughs> well, if people are if people are stupid enough to listen to this stupid to this shit shit fucking show, they're they, they might they might have a bad bad you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll just insult my audience. That always works out well. <laughs> so Rosa, do you have anything to say before we shoot off? Yeah, that was another great episode in the bag, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the end. And guys, if you want to follow Rosa, it's at Rosa underscore BJJ. If you want to follow me, it's at Human Jitsu, at Human Jitsu Podcast. If you want to follow my co-hosts, it's at Con Gracie, at Shawnee Judo Jits. And of course, if you want to follow the sponsors of the podcast, Superior Clothing, it's at Superior Clothing. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay tuned for next one. Oops. <laughs>